0: To Genesis chapter 40. Uh, last uh, week, Esther and I were at the pastor's conference, pastor and wife's conference, and it was really good. I got a chance to talk to Dr. Gary Breshears. He's a theologian um, and it really was interesting. I, I took him aside and I asked him a couple of questions. It was fun just to talk to him a little bit about scripture. He's another guy that can read Greek and Hebrew along with, it's really Dr. Justin Alfred Uh, He's going to be here with us, guys. You don't want to miss him. You've heard him before, but uh, Justin is one of the, he actually teaches Hebrew and Greek at uh, uh, Azusa Pacific in San Diego. They have a campus down there. He's actually the Greek and Hebrew teacher for the college. I mean, he's he's a scholar, and I love uh, Justin because he's simple and, and just a blessing to have as a friend. Him and I go shotgun shooting. He's from Mississippi. And he talks like Elvis. Oh, Should Lee. the <laughs> will you'll, you'll love him, guys. Uh, plan to be with us on that. But here in chapter 40 is where we find ourselves. in the series that we're in, as so we go through the book of Genesis, we're coming to that last section. It's really all about Joseph. His last chapters are all about Joseph. And I've called it Joseph uh, Integrity and Forgiveness because that's what he represents. And we see that in his life over and over again. We'll see that again Tonight, But you'll recall a couple of weeks ago when I was here, we were in chapter 39, and it was about uh, Joseph and his life, very successful, God was leading him, Uh, God had prospered him, and then all of a sudden, boom, uh, remember, it was Potiphar's wife, she tried to seduce him, and uh, his life has been uh, really one pit after the other, you could say, he was thrown into a pit by his brothers his father gave him a coat. Boy, that made his brothers, they were so jealous of that because it really represented first, uh, it meant that he was the son of, uh, that was going to receive all of the blessing. He was like the firstborn son, although he was the lastborn and his brothers just hated him for it. They threw him in a pit, as you remember. And then Judah, his older brother, came up with a plan to sell him uh, into slavery. And he ends up in Egypt. But the whole time he doesn't complain you don't see any complaints. Even tonight in, our, in this chapter, there's no complaints. He's just a man of integrity. He's trusting the Lord. And God is sovereignly leading him. He's leading him through this whole, whole uh, episode. As we look at this man, again, he, he's a picture of Christ. And I'm going to give you a bunch of different types. Halfway through our study tonight, I'll show you how he's a type of Jesus Christ. As we look at this uh, man in the first book of the Bible, Genesis. So here we come to chapter 40. And and he's going to be in prison. So this is the second pit, really. He's going to go into a pit, and he's going to be in prison. And it's while he's in this pit, or in the pits of life, that we learn how to trust God in our pits. ever been in the pits? We used to say that all the time. They use different lingo now. We were always in the pits when I was growing up. And it just means depression. Have you ever been depressed? Have you ever been in a trial as a Christian? And really, how do you respond? How do you act as a Christian? As you grow in the Lord, you learn. You're going to learn more as you grow in Christ and you, you learn from the Word of God that God will allow you to go into a pit. He'll allow you to go through a trial. And there's a purpose. He's refining you as a person. Most of us go, Lord, I can do without the pit. You know, I can do without the refinement. I'm pretty good. But God knows best for his children. Wouldn't you agree? And so he's going to lead you into these places. Now, this is the second pit that Joseph uh, finds himself in. And if you'll go back to uh, verse 21 of chapter 39, just look back there. Notice it says, the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. So now he's in prison. He's in the second pit. But the Lord is with him. The Lord is with him in the pit. We're going to learn that tonight. I hope, Christians, that you really take to heart the Word of God here and and see Joseph's life in the pit because we find ourselves in those kind of places. Your pit might be financial difficulty. It might be a relationship, marriage. It could be a wayward son or daughter, a child, a grandchild, a pit. It's a difficult thing that you're being led through, but it's something we all have little control over. We find ourselves in the pit. We just can't conquer it. And it's this story, Joseph's story, that teaches us that living for God is not easy. It's such an important point for us to learn. Living for God is not easy, and God will allow us, his children, to go through hardships. Let me show you a scripture, and I'm going to come back to the scripture at the end of the study here. Look what James says, James 1... These two verses here, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. When you struggle, when you're in a pit, count it joy. Did you know that? As believers, we're supposed to see every situation in our lives as God is leading and directing. So when we find ourselves in financial difficulty or something else that we ourselves did not lead ourself into. I mean, you can make a a dumb boneheaded decision and find yourself in a pit. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about God leading you into a pit and you just found yourself there. Boom, you're inside. You didn't choose to go there, whatever. This is what James, James is saying, count it a joy when you find yourself in the pit in a trial, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. In other words, God is giving you a test when you're in the trial, when you're in the pit. And the test isn't for him. He knows who you are. The test is for you. The test is so that you'll know how strong you are in Christ. You'll know what you need to work on. You'll know how weak you really are. And and you'll, and you'll come out of the other side of the pit and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for teaching me that, Lord. God wants to teach us through those things. And then here James says, but let patience have its perfect work. In other words, stay in that trial. Allow the Lord to do his work that you may be complete, the word's perfect there, and complete, lacking nothing. So God has a purpose for the pit, and he's going to help us overcome. This is a great example here in this Genesis chapter 40. So let's ask God's blessing on his word tonight. Father, as we now open your word and, and begin to study, I pray that you would teach us. Teach us according to your ways. Lord, our ways are not yours. Your ways are so much higher and so much greater. And yet sometimes we're left wondering why. Many times we're, we're left wondering, what am I doing in the pit? Why am I depressed? Why am I so despondent? And Father, I pray that this story about Joseph and this man of integrity, this man of forgiveness, that we would learn. We'd learn how to, to get through the pit, Lord, for your glory and your purpose in our lives. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you'll remember that in chapter 39, we find Joseph in the dungeon. He's in a prison. But it's very important for you to recognize where this prison is. Because at the beginning of verse, or chapter 39, we find out that the captain of the guard is this man named Potiphar. He's like the head security guy, the head general of all the security forces for Pharaoh. Pharaoh is, is, is so wealthy, so rich. I mean, think about the wealth of Egypt. It's a vast uh, economy because they have the Nile River. They're, they're growing and transporting grain all over the world. Very, very uh, wealthy, wealthy society. And Pharaoh... Uh, is is its leader and it's so interesting when you read about the story that you find that this man Potiphar is he's he's right up there he's one of the the main right-hand men of Potiphar he's the captain of the guard but it's in his house that he has a prison maybe it's in the basement maybe there's a dungeon it doesn't tell us where it is but it's in his house that's we do know that. But Joseph is now in this pit. He's in the prison, but he's not whining. He's not complaining. He's, he's not doing any of those things. He's not crying the blues. His attitude is really like, if God wants to keep me in prison, then a prisoner I'll be. I mean, that's really his attitude when you look at him. He's depending on the Lord. He's trusting in the Lord. And God has sovereignly brought him to this place this pit. I want to start in verse 21 of chapter 39. So go to chapter 39, verse 21. Here's my first point. God prospers Joseph in prison, but the Lord, verse 21, was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. So there's no doubt here that Joseph's success success here is because of God's blessing. This is the blessing of God that's being passed on from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Jacob's son, Joseph. This is God's blessing. He's prospering him. And then it says back in chapter 39, verse 2, go all the way back to verse 2. Notice, the Lord was with Joseph. Verse 3 of chapter 39, his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did prosper in his hand. Verse 5 of chapter 39, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake and the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had. So even after Joseph, he's falsely accused, he's thrown into prison. God is blessing him because God is a blessing God. Look at verse 22 here. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all of the prisoners. That's how loyal he was and how trustworthy uh, he was. Uh, All the prisoners there, whatever they did there, it was his doing. And then verse 23, the keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority. Why? Because he was a man of integrity. You could trust his word. You could count on him, even as a prisoner. This says a lot about his character here. The Lord was with him at the end of verse 23, and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. That's the character. That's the kind of man uh, that we're looking at here in Joseph. God is with him. He's in the pit. He's in prison. And Joseph is now over all the prisoners, Wherever he ends up, everybody sees his integrity, his authority. He's so, he's so thoughtful. He's so thorough. And you can trust him. And so now he's over all the prisoners. And that's where we meet. And this is the story in chapter 40, the next point, the butler and the baker's dream. Now this story really is about these two men here, the butler and the baker here. Let's read it together in verse 1 of chapter 40. It came to pass after these things that the butler... And the baker of the king of Egypt, that would be Pharaoh, offended their lord, the king of Egypt. So they did something to offend the butler. Think about the butler's the cup bearer. The baker, obviously, is making food. Maybe the, the butler was carrying some wine and he dropped it on a Persian rug. Or maybe the baker, you know, made squishy bread dough or something we don't know what it was but he offended Pharaoh so verse 3 he put him in custody in the house of the here's the captain of the guard who's that that's Potiphar so he's in the house the same house that Joseph was over now Joseph is over the under the house the dungeon the prisoners same house. That's why I, I believe. And when you read chapter thirty-nine and, and chapter forty, you see that the captain of the guard, Potiphar. He's everybody knows Joseph. That's why the prison guard, the chief of the, of the guard there, makes him over everybody because he already knows he's a man of integrity. And he, he gives them, the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, so they were in custody for a while. These two men, the baker, the butler, and And uh, Joseph here. Now, I believe that this prison, again, is, is at his house, at Potiphar's house. And everyone is, again, they are seeing him as a man of integrity. Now, two of Pharaoh's officers, is what it says here in verse one. Two of his officers have committed some kind of capital crime. Pharaoh has given them a sentence, and they're in prison. Again, we don't know what it is. But uh, the butler would be the cupbearer, as I've said. He's the one that would taste the wine. Uh, any king in this society could be threatened by someone that could come and poison his drink or his food. There was always a threat of, of the king being killed by some drink, you know, some poison, hemlock or whatever is they put in the, in the drink. So the cupbearer was a really, really close friend of the king's. It was his job to make sure that whatever the king drank was not going to hurt him. So he would drink it first, and he would make sure that the supplier was loyal to the king as well. So this is a really loyal person, someone the king knows, the cupbearer, or the butler there. And then you have the baker, obviously, in charge of Pharaoh's food. So these guys are thrown into prison, and then Joseph is over them, so they're placed in his care. And then they both have dreams. They have some these disturbing dreams here that we're going to read about. And this is where we see Joseph's character shine here. And, and he's not focused on himself. He's focused on these people. This is another beautiful picture of, of Joseph. He's not concerned about him. He's concerned about these people and him representing his God. He's going to represent God to these two foreigners, to these two Egyptians that are high in Pharaoh's court as a Hebrew. And he's going, to, he's going to really represent God in a beautiful, beautiful way. There's something here for us to learn as well. But look at verse 5. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, they had a dream. Both of them. Each man's dream in one night, and each man's dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came into them in the morning. And notice what Joseph does. He looks at them and he sees that their countenance has fallen. They're sad. He's really engaged with everybody he sees and, and minis- he's ministering to people. Joseph, great picture of a godly man. He notices there's something odd. These guys, yesterday they were talking about what happened. And now he can tell that they're like terrified. terrified. They're, they're sad, it says here. But Joseph, he's in a pit. He's in prison. He's more concerned about these other prisoners than he is about himself. I love that about this man. I wonder how many divine appointments you and I have missed because we're too busy with ourselves. Joseph's not busy with himself, he's not self centered. He's in prison. He could be, woe is me, I'm in prison. He's thinking about other people. This is how we see him as a a man of integrity, a man after God's own heart, a a real, real faithful follower of God. He's so faithful. He's more concerned with others. So he's looking at them, and, and they have this countenance. They're sad. That word in the Hebrew is raw. It means raw. It means troubled or fearful. So he looks at these guys. Maybe they're shaking, but he sees in their face that they're just upset. They're torn up. They were okay the day before, but now they're really torn up. They get up that morning, and he sees that their their countenance has fallen. They're really disturbed because of this look that he sees on their faces. And then verse 8, And they said to him, We each have had a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to Elohim? Now, this culture and this society, the Egyptians, they, they worshipped stars and the moon. They had all these different star and, and moon gods that they worshipped. And so they would have some sorcerer that they would be able to, if they were freed, if they weren't in prison, they could go to their sorcerer friend, kind of like, you know, the horoscope person at the fair or at Redlands Market Night or whatever. Wherever you go, you can go in and pay a couple you know, bucks and get your palm read. I mean, that's really, they were going to go and find, but they didn't have anybody. They're in prison. There's no one that can tell us, interpret our dream. And I love what Joseph says. Here's when he takes opportunity, not to just say, oh, well, that's too bad. Basically saying, my God can interpret i I know a God that can tell you he's, he wants to share his God with these Egyptians. This is the opportunity that he 's taken, and it 's a great example for for all of us. He has this divine appointment, but he doesn't miss it he doesn 't let it go again, how many times as a student in school somebody's bombed they're thrashed their their relationships are upside down and and they're they're doing whatever, they're sad, you can tell. And you, go up to, you can go up to them and say, what's, what's going on? Oh, man, this happened or that happened, and I'm bummed. And, and I've said, hey, do you know my God? My God will give you joy. My God will bring forgiveness in your life. You know Jesus Christ? He becomes this great example for us, church. The world needs to know Jesus Christ, and God gives you appointments. I believe right now the Holy Spirit's going to show you. He's going to show you. You've had these opportunities at work at the store. You know, we used to say at the gas pump because we would pull in. When I was growing up, you pull in and somebody else pumped your gas. That's how old I am. And to the, Tonight I would go to Costco. You know, I got to pump my own gas at Costco. But there's opportunities. My point is God gives you opportunities to share your faith and we need to take those opportunities just like Joseph does here. I, I love what he does. He, he just says, have you heard about my God? My God, did?" Do not interpretations belong to Elohim. Tell them to me. You tell me. I, I, I have a God that can, can help, uh, help you. Now Elohim or God in your, your English translation there, That's Elohim is the most common name for God in the Bible. There's many different names for God in the Bible. Elohim or you'll hear El Shaddai. El means God. And Elohim is that word means powerful, all powerful. God. So you have Elohim. He says, hey, do you not know Elohim? Remember in Genesis 1, when we started this study a year and a half ago? Genesis 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning, Elohim. In the beginning was God, and He created. The Creator God His powerful. I, I love that thought about Elohim here. Infinite, all-powerful God, the Creator. And Joseph has a personal relationship. God has spoken to him through dreams. God is prospering him in everything he does. He knows it's God. He knows it's not himself. It's God that's doing all these things. And he, he's just got a big grin on his face all the time because he's, he's just in God's glory. I, I love this man. Oh, that we would just walk in faith like Joseph day by day in the pit in despair, and just have a big grin on our face. My God, he's got all kinds of power. Do you know my God? My God can help you. My God can do this. My God, I, I love the fact, Elohim, my God can help you. Again, when you see someone at Starbucks, and they've got this sour look on their face, and there's someone at a restaurant or someone you're sitting next to, do you know my God? Jesus loves you. We, church, we need to do that. I truly believe that we are in the, in the last days. The Bible says that there's, God has an appointed time. I believe that he knows this last person that's going to get saved. And when that last person gets saved, I believe that's, that's going to signal the end of this place. I believe the church is going to be raptured. Not everybody believes that. I, I'm just sharing. This is my belief in the scriptures that, that when that happens, God is going to um, rapture the church and judge the world. And, and it's all going to be over. God, only God knows that, by the way. I don't know. It could be today. could be next year. could be in 10 years. We, we don't know. We're just supposed to live like he could come back tonight, right? The imminent return of Christ. We're supposed to live as if he could return at any time. So these guys, they're not just bummed out. They're sad. They're terrified. They've got fear on their faces. They're troubled. And he asks them, why are you so sad? We each have had a dream, verse 8 again. There's no interpreter of it. So Joseph said, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell them to me, please. No doubt, Joseph sees they're upset and he's going to help them with their dream. Now, back in chapter 37, you remember he was given, Joseph was given two dreams and one of the dreams, he, he saw sheaves that were bowing. Remember the, the, the sheaves of wheat that were bowing. And God had gave him the interpretation. So he went and told his brothers, hey, guess what's going to happen? One was about the sun the moon, and they all bowed down, and that was his dad. He told his dad that, and his dad said, what, are you crazy? Joseph, he's naive. He's just, I got this dream. Let me tell you what it is. And then there was the other one about the sheaves bowing down. And the brothers knew exactly what he was saying. That's why they hated him. You think, we're going to serve you, you little pipsqueak, little brother. But God has already spoken to him in dreams. So he knows. He has confidence. What was your dream? I can figure this out. I I can ask my God, and he'll reveal it to me. Daniel. Remember, Daniel was a revealer of dreams to Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, God, in the Old Testament, spoke through dreams. Now, let me just say this really quick. I'll say it a couple times throughout our study. God doesn't specifically use dreams like he did in the Bible. Why? Because we have the Bible. God doesn't need to reveal stuff in dreams because he's given you everything that you need for godliness right here in the scriptures. So don't get all hyper spiritual and try to be a dreamer and interpreter of dreams. Because if you tell me about this dream about me, I'm going to go to the word of God. And if it's not in the word of God, I'm going to say you're a fraud. We have, I know that sounds really tough, we have the Bible, the truth is we have the Bible. We don't need dreams. Can God speak to his people in dreams? Yes. Yes, he can do that. But he's already spoken in his word. We have that. So be careful not to get weird or bizarre on, on dreams. And there have been Christians that kind of get spun off on those kind of things. We, we just have to be careful not to emphasize dreams. So that's, that would be my point. I love what Solomon says, though. Here's a verse I'll throw up here behind me. Ecclesiastes 5, 7. For in the multitude of dreams and many words, there is also, what? Vanity. See, it's easy to, to, to dream something up and then think that you're something that you're not. And then notice the little phrase he ends with. He says, you need to fear the Lord. That's what you need. Don't, don't get stuck and caught on dreams. You really need to fear the Lord now, let me stop. I told you I was going to do this. Let me stop for just a second here. And I want to show you how Joseph is a type of Christ. We've already seen it. And I'm going to make reference to that, the stuff happening now, and then some of the future things. But let me throw a couple things out at you to help you understand that Joseph is a type of Christ. Joseph was mocked by his brothers because of his coat. Jesus was mocked by his own on the cross. Joseph was hated by his brothers without cause. Jesus was hated by his own people, without cause. Joseph's brothers talked about killing him, and Jesus' people, his brothers, they talked about killing him. They, those Pharisees, they wanted to kill him, didn't they? You read the Gospels? They're always trying to kill him. Joseph was sold by his brothers for 20 pieces of silver. Remember Judah? Jesus was sold by Judas. Interesting. Same name. For 30 pieces of silver, Joseph's brothers plotted to kill him. Jesus' brothers, the Jews, plotted to kill him. Joseph was condemned by his brothers and put into the pit to die. Jesus was condemned by his brothers and hung on a cross to die. But Joseph was raised up out of the pit, just like Jesus was raised up the third day. And here's here's the interesting one. Joseph's coat was taken, taken back to his father Jacob, dipped in what? Blood. Remember his, the coat. The brothers, they sold him into slavery, and then they came back and lied to their dad about how their, his favorite son had died. And here's the proof, a bloody coat. Jesus' blood-stained garment was gambled away. At the foot of the cross by the soldiers. Joseph was tempted by the world, the flesh, and he overcame. Tempted by Potiphar's wife. Jesus was tempted by the world, flesh, and the devil. He overcame. And Joseph became the savior of the world because of the famine. Remember, he had the insight to start storing, storing years before this famine would come. And that saved Egypt and the rest of the world. Jesus is the Savior of the world today. Do you see the correlation there? Joseph is a type of Christ in the Old Testament. Now we come to verse 9. And the reason I went through that whole deal there is because now we come to verse 9. And just as Jesus hung on the cross between two thieves, Joseph is between two men. Like Jesus on the cross, one is righteous and one is not. And the same right here in this. very Fascinating, isn't it? And here's my next point. Joseph interprets their dream, verse 9. Verse 9. Then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph. And he said to him, behold, in my dream, a vine was before me. And in the vine were three branches. It was as though it budded, it blossomed, shot forth, and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup. And place the cup in Pharaoh's hand. So, all of these things that this cupbearer, this butler sees, they all relate to him personally, don't they? He's the cupbearer, he's the, one, the guy that would give the wine to the, the Pharaoh. All of these things. God is, is speaking to this man specifically. I love this about God. God knows everybody, and he, he's got your name, and he's numbered the hair on your head. He knows you, and he talks to this guy his own language. And then Joseph, verse 12, said to him, this is the interpretation of it. He hears the dream, and right away, the three branches are three days. Now, within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your place, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner. When you were his butler. He's going to reestablish you. You're going to go back to the same job. You're going to do the same things. So it's going to take three more days. It's all going to be good. And can you imagine the, the butler? Oh, man, I could have died in here. I thought I was going to die. I thought it was going to kill me. And all the time, all the way, all the time that, that this prophecy is being, or this dream is being shared and, and being spoken of by not only the butler, and, but Joseph, you have the baker. The baker's listening in the whole time. And so now he's going to tell his dream because he's, hey, that sounds really good. I wonder how many days it'll take me to get, get replaced here. I mean, he's, this, is, this is what's going to happen here. So Joseph's uh, one request of the butler here is really interesting. He asked to be remembered before Pharaoh. Verse 14, but remember me when it is well with you, and please show kindness to me. So after he tells him everything's going to be good in three days, he says, okay, listen, now, when you get in, back and reestablish in front of Pharaoh, would you tell him about me, that I've been mistreated here, that this, this was all a fraud, that it was, tell him it was Mrs. Potiphar. And he'll probably roll his eyes and go, oh, yeah, her, her again. I, I, I'm, I, I don't have any doubt that she'd done this before to other men. And so, he says, just remember me and I, to get me out of the house. And then for indeed, verse 15, I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, and also I have done nothing here. I, I haven't done anything. I'm, I'm guilt, or I'm, I'm uh, what's the word? I'm innocent, pardon me. I'm innocent. I haven't done anything here that they should put me in the dungeon. Now, I believe that Joseph is very confident when he says that. He's not pleading and begging, you've got to do this because if if you don't tell Pharaoh then I'm going to die and rot here. He's not saying that. He's just, just remember me. I haven't done anything here. Just, would you please tell. He's very confident in his presentation there uh, to the butler. Now some people, when they read that, and I've read some commentaries and they actually, they see Joseph's actions here in calling out the butler to remember him. They see it as a lack of, of his faith as a man. But I disagree because God had previously used dreams in his life, number one. He he understands this whole thing. God loves him. God's prospering him. And God's already used dreams. And then number two, there's nothing wrong with, with doing all that you can to change your condition. There's nothing wrong. In fact, it's more important that you try to move forward as a Christian Woe well, is me. I lost my job. I'm just going to wait until God calls me on the phone and tells me what to do. No, it, we live by faith as Christians, so be feet. Look for a job. If you lose your job, just look for another one, and God will open the doors. He'll open the doors, but you've got to be moving. Don't just stop and say, God has to bless me with a job. Well, you need to get up and look, pray, yes, but, but be proactive. And I don't believe it's wrong for him to, to ask this at all. The bottom line for a believer is we need to do what the writer of the Proverbs said, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not onto your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge God, acknowledge his faithfulness, acknowledge his power. And he, God, will direct you and lead you. That's that's the important uh, principle here. Now, now it's the baker's turn. He's all excited about what he just heard. Now, it's his turn to hear what's going to happen to him. Verse 16, when the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said to Joseph, I also was in my dream, and there were three white baskets on my head. In the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh. He's a baker. So, right, God's speaking to him. And the birds, they ate all the baked goods that were on my head. So Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation of your dream. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head from you and hang you on a tree. And the birds will eat your flesh from you. Yike. Wow, that didn't go so well, did it, for the baker? This is what uh, James Montgomery Boyce, one of my favorite commentaries, said about this verse. It was very profound, at least for me as a pastor. This is what he said. How many are willing to preach the cupbearer's sermon but are unwilling to preach the baker's sermon? Think about that. The truth of God. The truth of God is love and grace. The truth of God is judgment. Judgment and the price in, of sin. And so both of those need to be taught and preached. We, we need to be really balanced, church. Don't tell people that God only loves them. That's true. You need to tell them also the, the truth that there's judgment coming for those that reject Christ. There's judgment coming. That's, that's the message of the gospel, the whole gospel. So I loved what, what James Montgomery Boyce uh, had to say there. So the chief baker, he's not really happy with with really what he's heard. Whatever these two men were suspected of, and, and we're not told, it doesn't say here, the butler was innocent, the baker was guilty. Two men. Jesus on the cross between two thieves. One in paradise, one went to hell. The same. Very interesting parallels here. Now now, notice how the dream comes to pass exactly how Joseph had interpreted the dream here. And my final point here prophecies fulfilled, but promises forgotten. This is really interesting. Verse 20. It came to pass on the third day. So, the third day he prophesied or, or explained the dream, which was Pharaoh's birthday. Interesting. So, he's going to have a birthday. He needs food, right? You need your baker. He needs wine for his birthday, so he needs his cupbearer. He needs these people, so he calls them to his birthday and made a fe- feast for all his servants. And he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. So he brought them forward, put them in front of her. Here they are. Here's, here's these two men. Then, verse 21, he restored the, ch- the cupbearer, the chief butler, to his butlership again. And he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand, but... Hanged the Chief Baker, as Joseph had interpreted to them, yet the Chief Butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. I would imagine that you know there 's a party going on, and he 's tasting the wine and giving it to him, and he 's so excited to be free he 's free he 's been reestablished that he just forgot all about poor joseph and there 's a point here to all of this, and we 're going to see it as we move into the the next chapter, not tonight, but we 'll see that in, in the coming weeks. But Joseph, again, he, he was not wrong to seek his deliverance through the help of the butler. He wasn't wrong saying, hey, remember me. Remember me when, when you're established, when he reestablishes you. And so that was what he was hoping for. As soon as the Pharaoh said, hey, you're my cupbearer again. I put you back in, in your place of authority. Joseph was hoping that at that moment he'd remember, oh, hey, there! I met this guy in prison. Joseph, he's he's righteous. He's right on. Check with your security, head of security, Potiphar. He'll tell you. But he forgot. That's what it says here. The chief butler did not remember Joseph but forgot him. So here's what we're going to learn, that that Joseph had a plan that might have worked, but God was going to do it a different way. God always has his way. His ways are different than our ways and here's the application of this story here you might be in a situation where you're overwhelmed you're in the pit maybe not in prison I visited a lot of Christians in prison over my years of ministry honestly been to West Valley several times been to the jail right here on third street a couple of times visit people that are in the church Well, well they were in the church and then they got busted for whatever and uh It's a a very humbling thing for them. And I believe that while they're in prison, they really have to think long and hard about what they're doing and the decisions they've made. And and I've always told them when I've gone to these prisons and seen these people, you just need to trust the Lord. You have to tell the truth to the judge, to your lawyer. You tell the truth and let, let God be the judge. Don't lie. Stop lying. The reason you're here is because you've been living a lie. And, and God will deliver you if you'll live with integrity. I mean, I've, I've read this story. We've, I've talked and counseled and prayed with family members who said, Oh, you know, he did this and now he's in prison or whatever. But the, the important thing is that you need to understand that God has a way to, to help us out of the pit. And God's going to do something different in his life, something different than, than Joseph planned. Joseph was hoping that his words would work, you know, just tell Butler, just tell the, the, the Pharaoh that, that everything's cool, that I'm a good guy, and maybe he'll get me out of prison too. Joseph spends two years in prison. He was forgotten. And during those two years, here's the fascinating things. So it's not really recorded, and we're going to see more of the story as we move through this, this uh, book. But there's no re- record of him whining, complaining. He was just head of the prison. Oh, well, God's got another plan. And I can just see him, again, with a smile on his face. Lord, how are you going to do this? This is going to be really fun to watch how you do this. That's how we need to live our lives, Christians. How is God going to deliver you through that difficulty? Maybe it's a car. Uh, you know, a cars break down. We can't get to work. And it's like this car, this car. They're, they're, they can be a real trial, right? How is God going to provide you transportation? Just watch him. Trust him. Pray. Could be through a friend. Could be through uh, some finances. You know, could be all these different, but let God do his thing while you're in the pit. Trust in the Lord. Just smile and, and let God have his way. That's the difference between someone that's depressed and someone that's joyful is just that attitude. Because I trust my God, Elohim, he's great and powerful. I'm just going to sit here and smile and wait till he does what he does. Or I can just be bum for me, whine and complain and tell everybody how life is hard. Or you can trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. See, it really has, has a lot to do with attitude. And I see Joseph again. There's no indication of him complaining. Instead, we find a beautiful lesson. Here's the application of this story tonight really quick. How to live life in the pits is what I call it. How do you live life in the pits? There are a couple of things here. Number one, Joseph knew that God was with him. That's the first thing. Joseph knew that God was with him. Has God done a work in your life? If he's done a work in your life, whenever that was, B.C., then you came to Christ and then you saw him do another miracle and another miracle as you're walking with the Lord and you're seeing him bless and prosper your family and answer a prayer for your kids. And, and it's like, this is amazing, God. Look at what you're doing in my family. Look at what you're doing around me. Because God had worked in his life. God, or Joseph knew that God was with him. He was absolutely, positively sure that God was going to help him out, that God was going to get him through the whole thing. And that was all confirmed, by the way. Again, let me show you these verses. We looked at them, but 39, chapter 39, verse 2. Go back there real quick. I'll just read them real fast. Genesis 39, verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of the master of the Egyptian. And his master saw... That the Lord was with him. Remember, when I taught that, I I asked the question: what did the Master see? What did Potiphar see in this man's life that he understood that, that the Hebrew God, Elohim, was with Joseph? What did he see? Faithfulness, prayer, integrity? What did he see? Saw something, that's what it's recorded here. And it says that the Lord was with him and the Lord had made everything prosper. And then look at verse 21. Go down to verse 21 in chapter 39. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. The keeper of the prison committed to Joseph the hand of the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper, verse 23, of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority. But because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made him prosper no wonder joseph had confidence he was trusting god he was walking with god he was allowing god to do his work and then he was glorifying god oh lord thank you for that i think sometimes we forget to thank god even for the simple things the sunrise the, the mountains the the ocean some people just get off on the ocean i I'd rather be away from it. But some people, they love. They love to sit in front of and smell that salty air. Are you like that? Some people love that. And they love the sound of the waves. I used to hate the waves because they kept me up all night when we'd go down to camping at San Alejo Beach. It's like stuff stuff in my ear so I could sleep. But some people, they love it. That's, that's okay. I just, I get off on the mountains. But when you thank God for those little things, and you remember that God is, is leading you and guiding you, oh, God, you're so good today. It's, it's, a, it's an attitude, and you're being thankful to God. And, and so Joseph knew that God was with him. God's promises are with you. Here's a great promise from God. Look at this one, Deuteronomy 31, six. You should write this one down. Quote this one to you next time you're depressed. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear it nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. It says the same thing in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. But whatever pit, whatever trial, whatever depression that you're going through, God will never leave you. That's the point. And you need to put a smile on your face and you need to trust the living God and his power to get you through that pit. Second reason for Joseph's confidence in God. The second one is is God confirmed his future. And he did it through dreams in this case. He did it through the, the dreams, the sun, moon, and stars bowing, the sheaves bowing before him. God was revealing that, that he was going to do something through him, and something wonderful. God was prospering him so there was something going to happen. He, he knew it. He could feel it. He, he was that close to the Lord. Well, what about you and me when it comes to dreams? I, see, I don't think it's dreams. God wrote a book. If you find yourself depressed, just turn to the pages of Scripture. Read the Proverbs Read the gospels and and see the love of God for you. Read the epistles and all the love of God. It'll just turn you from darkness to light, from depression to joy. Read the promises of God. Joseph's future was confirmed through dreams. My future is confirmed in the scriptures. Paul said this. Here's a great verse for that. In Philippians 4, he says, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. He said, everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer. And then he says this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, we, we read that last verse. We, all of us read verse 13. But you got to go back to get context. God is going to lead you through the pit. Paul says, I know how to abase and they know how to abound. I, I've been shipwrecked, beaten, left for dead, snake bit, all the things that happen in Paul's life. And he says, you know what? This is what I've learned through being in the pit. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What a great promise, right? The third thing that we see, the third thing is Endurance. Endurance to the end. And here's where we come back to that verse that I began with, James 1, 2, and 4. My brethren, count it a joy when you fall into trials. Come right back to that. Endurance in the trial. And here's the verse I'm going to end with this evening. Hebrews 12, verse 11. No chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. The pits. The pits. We all go through them. The trials. We all go. God is using those things. They're painful. They're difficult. But you can go through those things with a smile on your face, just like Joseph. Knowing that your God's going to prosper. Elohim. He's going to prosper you. He loves you. You're his child. He's not going to let anything harm you until his appointed time. Someone said this, all men God uses greatly, he first prepares greatly. Greatly. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for the word tonight. (laughs) Thank you for this, this wonderful story of this man the courage and encouragement that it brings. I, I pray, Lord, that for any here that are going through a difficulty, a trial, that you, Lord, would encourage them. You've given us your word, Lord, that we would turn to your word as Joseph remembered his dreams, that we would know that we have the, the, the encouragement that we need for life right here in, in the pages of Scripture. And I pray, Lord, for that one, that person here tonight that's just depressed. They're so disappointed in their life because of whatever circumstance. Lord, won't you just change their heart? Help them to understand that they're in it. They're in it, and you have a purpose for it. And that as they trust you, as they depend on you thoroughly and lean, put all their weight upon you, Lord, that you'll get them through. You'll teach them. You'll train them. You'll instruct them. Father, we thank you and we bless you for your word tonight. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.